would say the biggest thing I see is people either not using contracts at all because they're afraid or they're just not sure what they should say or borrowing someone else's contract, but it doesn't really apply to their business. So I would say, you know, in the very beginning, when you're just starting to figure something out, like just put it in writing, put something in writing, even if it's an email or if you're, you know, if you're collaborating with someone or write down the things you think are important because everyone will have a different memory. It must be Tuesday because I have another episode, but it's a special one because it involves having a guest lecturer. Uh, It's funny because in the episode, as you'll hear when I introduce our guests, the amazing Autumn Witt Boyd, when I introduce her, I call her a visiting professor. Now, you know, we can get all into semantics here. (laughs) Thought I'd try to be consistent and make sure our guest experts are called guest lecturers, but who am I to say? Maybe she is a visiting professor. It was an amazing conversation. I will say that. So Autumn is a lawyer who kind of is very similar to people in the audience and to myself, is somebody who you know, did a degree, had that terminal degree, and went on to follow the typical path, right? And decided to do something a little different. And so you're going to see some parallels and we talk a lot about that. But Autumn is awesome. She definitely is very multi-talented, a creative at heart, but also an excellent writer and obviously someone that must have a great attention to detail to be a lawyer. So she started on that lawyer path and really fell in love with copyright and trademark, uh, that version of law. And so that's Maybe because, as she alludes to, because she liked working with creatives and artists and, you know, around protecting people's creations, right? So she'll talk about her career path, but essentially she ended up on a virtual team um, law firm, which is pretty unheard of. And that showed her what was possible um, around online businesses and about how you can manage a team and run a business with people everywhere. And so when she kind of had some life things happen, she decided that, hey, I think I'm going to strike out on my own and uh, help some of these creative entrepreneurs with trademarking, basically, and copywriting, which is obviously a perfect fit. So she shares that journey, a lot more details um, than I'm going to give you here. But it's also a teaching segment. So she's going to tell you, um, she's going to give her best advice for the things you should worry about early stage business, at what level you should be concerned about certain things. And um, it's really helpful. And we actually got into a conversation about a question or kind of a conversation that happened up in my Facebook group. Um, Not Academics Mean Business, but a teaching Facebook group that I have around course creation. And it was all about trademark. So it's a good one. Uh, You'll have some very actionable things and you'll walk away going, okay, I don't have to do research for once on the ways that I need to protect my business legally. So here we go. Without further ado, we have Autumn Witt Boyd. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, I have Autumn Witt Boyd, Esquire, on, and she is our visiting professor, I believe our third visiting professor to have on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, Autumn. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. I'm excited to be here. Is Esquire like, that's what you're supposed to say, right? (laughs) You can. Yeah, actually, for females, it's just attorney, which is lame. Okay, well, we can have a conversation (laughs) about that. I feel like I knew that. One of my best friends is a lawyer from from college. Odd. Yeah. So some women still use Esquire. It's kind of up to you. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Cool. Well, yeah. So I have Autumn today to talk um, about, she's going to actually expert us. (laughs) 
<laughs> expert all over us, um, about the early uh, decisions you have to make as a business owner uh, to kind of protect your legal behind. So we'll get into that later because I think her story, her education background and her transition that she made um, from being um, a part of a like a typical taking the typical lawyer path. I think a lot of us will resonate with that who are listening, a lot of my audience. And so that's definitely where we start here. We'd love to hear about your education background. Like give us your CV if you want, like what you studied, what made you like fall in love with law and anything you want to share about that part of your life. Yeah. So it was kind of a winding road. So (laughs) I'm not to go too deep into it, but you will laugh. I actually went to college thinking I would like to be an opera singer, which is like 180 degrees away from being a lawyer. Um, (laughs) So I went to Indiana University because it has an amazing music school in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, But my mom, who was very smart, told me, you know, I know you love music. I know you want to do this, but you're going to have to be able to pay rent. So she forced me to consider either a minor or double major. So I started out doing music and journalism Mm. and I've always enjoyed writing and I'd love to talk to people. I love to ask questions and get to know things. So it was a great fit for things that I'm good at and things I enjoy. Um, And once I got to the music school, it was so clear to me that I was out of my league Mm. uh, musically, which was Mm -hmm. a great thing to learn early on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like great in a church choir. You know, I do a good Ave Maria at a a wedding. (laughs) But I was not going to be winning any awards, you know, at that caliber. So mm-hmm. I focused on journalism there, which was fun. And I still still took music lessons and still sing. But so I did journalism for a couple of years. And then pretty quickly, I learned just what that career path looks like. Mm. And it's a hard one. And it's, yeah. um, it's long. And often you start in a small market and then you move to a slightly larger and then a slightly larger. Uh, but it's a long time before you're really you know, achieving much professional success and Mm. especially before you're making very much money. Mm. Um, And so I just was pretty honest with myself, frankly, and was like, I don't think this career path is for me. Mm. And I saw again, kind of similar music. Like I'm again, a pretty good writer. I'm not going to be winning any Pulitzers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw the people who were amazing writers and Mm. I was like, they are going to be the ones still struggling to get those, you know, slightly better jobs moving up and up. So um, my sophomore year of college, junior year, I decided to look at law school because mm. um, it actually is a lot of very similar skill sets mm. and like the day-to-day work is actually not that different from a journalist. Like mm. I spend my day talking to people and asking them questions. Um, it's just kind of on a different playing field. So it allowed me to use a lot of those same skills and the things that I was good at and liked doing. So I actually went and studied abroad my junior year, which ah, was nice. amazing. So mm-hmm. I ended up double majoring in journalism and English. And I pretty much added the English major so I could study abroad um, <laughs> and spent a year just like reading Shakespeare. It was amazing. And then came back and got ready to go to law school. So um, I went to Vanderbilt University in Nashville for law school. Hmm. I actually grew up near there. So I went away. I wanted to go away from home for college and then was kind of ready to come back to the South for um, be closer to my family for law school. So and it was a wonderful place to be. Um, I had kind of had my sights set on maybe some top tier law schools, but I'm really mm. glad I landed at Vanderbilt because it was still, still a great law school. Mm. Um, and, but it's a very friendly place and I That's didn't good. realize how nice that would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of law schools are very cutthroat and people are really yep. mean and you know, it's all sharp elbows and Vanderbilt was kind of the opposite. It was very collegial. So it's just an, an you know, if you're going to spend three years with your nose in a book, mm. doing a, a lot of really boring reading, it's nice to do it with nice people around. So I had a great time there. And then 
you know, started on a very typical lawyer path. Okay. Um, I also, in addition to music, like I have a background in acting. And oh, cool. so I, I thought I would be a litigator. Like, uh, you know, it's almost like being on stage. Uh, I've always been very comfortable with public speaking. And so if you do well in law school, you kind of get routed towards that. That's kind of the flashy, sexy, mm-hmm. um, you know, the TV profile. version. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so I went, my first job out of law school was very much towards that career path. I worked for a judge here in Chattanooga and that's what brought me to, um, to where I am now, which is in East Tennessee. It's kind of a smaller town, but I clerked for a federal judge. I basically applied to every federal judge in Tennessee and this is the one that hired me. So I came here and I thought it would just be two years and I would go back to Nashville, but just fell in love with Chattanooga. Um, it's a really mm-hmm. cool town. If you haven't been here, it's beautiful and very livable. And we actually have a pretty sophisticated legal community. So I was kind of hmm. pleasantly surprised. I um, love Chattanooga. Yeah. <laughs> I, awesome. I drove from Nashville to Atlanta when we were house sitting last year and we stopped. I think Chattanooga is like almost halfway or something. It is. Yeah. yeah. We're right in the middle. Yeah, we're like, oh, that sounds fun. And then we're like, wow, this is a really nice city. And we it had amazing Wi-Fi. <laughs> yes. And like we were just like, I wonder what it costs to live here. Cause as Californians, oh, we're obviously <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But like it's so funny because I I remember going on Facebook and being like, uh, Chattanooga's awesome. Why does no one know That's hilarious? That? <laughs> Isn't that funny? So that was it's last year. It's kind of a hidden gem. Like I yeah. literally, even though I live two hours away, I'd never spent any time here until mm. I came here for a job. And just was totally delighted and blown away. By well, it. now I'm coming to visit. So yes. just decide now. Anytime we have a guest room, you are welcome. Cool. All right. So you're in Chattanooga working for the judge. Yeah. So I did that for two years. Again, like very traditional, then went to a big law firm here in town. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been interested in copyright and trademark work. Mm. Um, I think probably because of my background in performing arts. And it's just kind of cool and fun mm-hmm. thing. Um, and being in Nashville with the music industry. Uh, and it, this will not surprise you that there's not a lot of copyright and trademark work here in Chattanooga. Uh, okay. So there just wasn't much to go around. We have a fair amount of manufacturing here. So there was a little bit of that kind of work, which I think is kind of boring. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I was just working at a big law firm, like kind of trying to do some copyright trademark work, but there wasn't much around. And that same time period, I met the man who's now my husband and got him to move here from Colorado. Oh, nice. And we were like really planted. <laughs> yeah. Probably not going anywhere else at that point. And I just like an amazing opportunity kind of dropped in my lap. I got a phone call from a law firm actually in Colorado um, that did just copyright work for mm. artists and photographers. Mm. And they were looking, they had a case, they had a client in Chattanooga and they needed a local lawyer to help them with it. So I took that case for my big law firm and really liked working with those guys at that law firm. It was a small law firm, just like three lawyers. Um, and so they hired me away to work with them, but they let me telecommute. So that was kind of my first intro to uh-huh. like a virtual setup and uh-huh. an online business, even though it was like a very traditional law firm. Um, everybody telecommuted. My partners were in Colorado and Pennsylvania. I was in Tennessee. There was another guy. I can't remember where he was, but we eventually hired a woman in California. Um, so we were doing just like we are now. We did Skype meetings. Mm-hmm. We had Google Drive where we managed our mm-hmm. cases. Um, and this was like 2008. So it was... Mm early. That is early. We had Dropbox that like never worked. Yeah. Um, Like hundreds of thousands of files. Um, but anyway, it was just such a different way of practicing law. And it was, Mm. it was a total dream job. It was the work I'd always wanted to do. We had cool clients, you know, photographers and artists, and we were, it felt like we were on the right side. Like we were protecting the good guy. Mm -hmm. We would sue people who use their work without permission. Mm -hmm. So I learned a ton. It was an amazing job. 
but then I had two babies. Babies. So um, got married, had twins, and um, it still was a dream job. But as I became more senior in the firm, I started traveling a lot more. Mm. And the telecommute like was still amazing. But then if I was out of town for a week, you know, for a deposition or a hearing or something, that just got harder and harder. Um, so we kind of, I kind of reached a crossroads where it was like, this isn't working for my family. Like the firm isn't going to change. So I had to make a change. So that's when I decided to strike out on my own. Mm, And again, like kind of looked around in Chattanooga. I really didn't want to move to like Atlanta or LA or Nashville or New York, which would be the other places where most of the IP work is centered. So I just figured I could probably make something on my own. And using like all those tools that I had developed, because this was 2015. So now okay. the internet, you know, running a business on the internet was more of a thing. There yep. were a lot more tools. There was a lot more resources. Was it also more common for, is that actually more common now, um, The like in the legal space as well to do like no. the telecommunity? No, still. No. no. Interesting. People look at me like I have two heads when I tell wow. them. Wow. I, I mean, there are people doing it. But I don't know anyone Still else not in that's doing it. It's not common. No, okay. I mean, they're, they're probably in bigger cities. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm the only one doing it. But, you know, when I go to bar association events, people think it's really crazy. And mm-hmm. like, like how do you do it? Yeah. yeah. How okay. on earth did you do it? Yeah. And I'm like, people are doing this in all other industries. Yeah. <laughs> and then you do jazz hands. like <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I threw confetti in the air. <laughs> Um, okay. So this makes sense. So your background is you're realizing you can run a business. You can kind of reach anyone or whatever. So you're seeing in 2015, there's a lot of online businesses kind of popping up and people making money online, essentially. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I had no idea this whole world existed. Mm-hmm, to be either, yeah. This was not intentional. <laughs> yep. Um, I really thought because we have that amazing internet that you mentioned, we actually have a really great startup scene here in Chattanooga. Yes. And, because of the Wi-Fi, right? Yes. Like you, they, you, your city chose that. That's what we thought was so cool. I think Gary it's Vaynerchuk incredible. has a... Like yeah, a, Gary, yeah, VaynerMedia is like New York, LA, Miami, London. Chattanooga. Chattanooga. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's great. But it is really like the infrastructure that undergirds all of the excitement and development that's happening in Chattanooga. It's just a cool place to be. Um, So I thought we've got this amazing startup community. They all, it's a lot of tech. They all need IP help. It's a perfect fit. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, And then I tried that for a few months and I realized that startups have approximately zero dollars in their legal budget. (laughs) Yeah, or negative dollars. There was a lot of need, but like no no money. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a, it was a, a lot of the big firms in town do it kind of pro bono because they, sure. they'll help 10 or 20 and maybe one will hit and, you know, then they've got a great client. Yeah. But when you're a solo, you can't really afford to take that many risks. No. So I really was just trying to learn how to run a business and entrepreneurship. And I started listening to podcasts. I think mm-hmm. Being Boss was one of the first podcasts. Oh, nice. that I yeah. To, just trying to learn how do you, how does one run an online business? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned about Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield and you know, I was just devouring all this content. And then I started hanging out in Facebook groups yep. that often were associated with these podcasts. And that's where people were asking legal questions uh, and uh-huh. answering them. And that's when the light bulb was like, oh, these people need help. And like, they're running real businesses. They're, yeah. you know, I see that this is important. That's the other Did thing you have an inkling like, oh, I could really help these people. And it was just instinctively like, oh, I'll show yeah. up in these groups and start helping. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I liked them. Like, yeah, they were a lot of, I mean, not all of my clients. They all have great sure. communities. All but those yeah. podcasts that you brought up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, I felt like we were all kind of doing the same thing. Yep. We were, they were building a business. I was building a business. It felt really collegial and mm. um, just like we were all on the same page. It was very easy. Like every time I would hop on a call, it was so easy. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, it just felt really good. I was like, I, this, this feels like a really good fit. I love that. So when did yeah. you make this your full-time thing? It is your full-time thing, right? Like, oh yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I was wondering, I'm like, actually. <laughs> no. Um, so I left, I told my old law firm that I was leaving like January 2, 2015 or something. Nice. And they wanted me to give them a month, which was longer than I wanted, but it was fine. Mm. And then yeah, I once that, you decide, it's like, the- <laughs> you're just ready to go. Right? Yeah, I'm done now. Yeah. Yes. I would like to do this other thing. And I had already spent the last couple months like researching and prepping yeah. and getting ready. Cause I was afraid they were going to say, thank you. Like we don't, we won't ever talk to you again. And it was the opposite, mm. which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but they asked me to stay on as a contract attorney just because they had a bunch of cases and didn't have anyone waiting in the wings to really, okay. with a small firm, you don't have a lot of extra capacity. Yeah. So I did that for about a year where okay. it was maybe 25 to 50% of my time, like kind of varied a little bit. Um, and I, it was nice. The, like, it was nice to have a little bit of yeah. income still some in that cushion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I totally changed my practice area. I now do what we call transactional work in the law world, which is advising, researching, mm. answering questions, putting together contracts. Like I don't yeah. go to court very much. We do a okay. little bit, but mostly I'm doing this. I'm on the phone mm-hmm. uh, or I'm in front of my computer answering emails. So I didn't take any clients with me from the old firm, which is what I wanted. Uh, but I, you know, building a business from zero is hard. Yeah. So yeah. it was nice to have that transition time, even though it was like, I just wanted to be done with it. Uh, it was still good. Yeah. Can I nice. pause you for a second? Yeah. Cause I think I relate to this too. When I, cause I did the I was teaching full time and decided to leave. I gave myself like a semester and it could have mm-hmm. done longer. And my husband and I talked about it too. But it was nice because the money that I made in my business, I was able to like reinvest, which yeah. I think is is really important in the early stages if you do it well. And so, you know, um, having a, a salary, having health care, having, you know, that kind of safety net is like a word, I guess that gets used a lot. Like, and yeah, so it's, I think it's good to point that out because I think it also, um, I think it shows how lucky we are if we're in positions as well that we enjoy, because for me leaving academia, wasn't this like push me out kind of, I can't wait to leave. And I maybe could have stayed a little bit longer, but I was actually, I'm happy I went full in. So, but I just like to paint the picture that they're you know, if you are, yeah, there's many ways to do it. And there's ways to even maybe even never like go all in full Mm -hmm. and you can still serve and have some extra cash. So yeah, thank you for sharing that part. Cause I think that's absolutely. And the other thing I'll mention is that my husband is also an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So we're like a crazy two entrepreneur family. Um, and we had kind of taken turns. So there was a time when he was building his, Ah, I was this pretty much the sole breadwinner. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were a couple of years where he was getting up to speed and then he had really hit a, a really nice place in his business where he was able to pretty much support our family and I could awesome. take a minute yeah. and, you know, make that transition. So that was, we definitely planned it. You know, I couldn't have done it if we were still scrimping and scrounging and, you know, and twins. <laughs> yes. And twins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. No small feet. Cool. Okay. So tell me a little bit about maybe, um, cause I, I do like to talk about some of the first decisions, um, yeah. that get made. Like, did you go, Oh my gosh, I need a website or like how you did start from scratch. You didn't take any of your clients. So go into kind of some of those early days. It sounds like you were in these groups, getting on the phone with people and, yeah. and talking with them. What, what, um, yeah. What other things were you doing at that stage? Yeah, I definitely built a website because I knew I wanted to run kind of a virtual practice even before I knew exactly what shape it was going to take. So the website was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, spent, I can't even tell you how many hours from 
eight to midnight, like after my kids went to bed until yeah. I was just exhausted teaching myself WordPress. Yep. Uh, just because I didn't have any money. Like I wasn't going to go spend $10,000 on a website, no. but I wasn't even sure this thing was going to work. So yep. I got a template that I customized and it was fine. Uh, and then the other thing that I did that was probably the best thing that I did was I printed out these little cards and I mailed them to like everyone I knew. Oh, I that's nice. Went, I mean, and law is kind of old school that way. Yeah, uh, but it's smart. But I like literally went through my LinkedIn. I went through my old law school directory. I tried to find every address of any person. I mean, I didn't send them to people I had never met, um, but I like went through the whole Chattanooga Bar Association directory and sent them to like everyone that I knew their name um, and just kind of announced my practice. Like I put my picture on it. I said what I was going to be doing. And I got a lot, actually a fair number of referrals pretty quickly. I bet. Just from that. Yeah. And it's, you know, not necessarily exactly the things that I wanted to be doing, but it, it got kind of got me started. And I actually did get a, a piece of copyright litigation. Like I want to say within weeks, it was crazy. Wow. wow. Um, and that was like a very, a, a legit case, profitable, really nice client, like exactly what I wanted to be doing. So that was, that was really useful. If you Super are in a more smart. traditional <laughs> uh, area like law where people actually do open their mail. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just saying, I'm noticing, I mean, it's becoming a little more common where the, just because getting the mail is is like, whoa, this person really thought about this. And Mm -hmm. so it's not seen as this throwaway Facebook message. Yeah. Email is like a whole other ball game. I really love that. My real mailbox is quite empty. Right? (laughs) It's bills. (laughs) But not even bills anymore. That's my husband. Yeah. We were like filing for a business license or whatever. And they're like, oh, proof of address. And I'm like, I I literally don't get mailed anything. Right. Right. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Uh, We had to actually change. We changed something to, I don't know. I don't even know how. But yeah, it's pretty, yeah, pretty basic mail is coming through. Um, I love that you're bringing this up because I think that it's these small little touches. I think um, it's important for people to realize too, that, that like your current network, likely maybe you look around and you're like, Oh, but they would never need this service. But it's like, it's not necessarily the direct person. It's the person they know. Right. And we tend to like not see that or, or we tend to think, uh, oh, I need to build this audience. We hear that a lot in the really yeah. early stages of business. And it's like, you have 2,000 Facebook friends and like, like you're your at a giant institution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably know somebody depending on what your service is. So um, yeah. that's mean, really I've cool. I've got referrals from so many random, like mm-hmm. people I was in the junior league with it five years ago who mm-hmm. I haven't talked to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just saw that I was posting something on Facebook and yeah. you know, made a note and then remembered when someone was complaining that they needed help with something. Yeah. And I, well, I think there's something else that's a little like a a hot tip here too, is you need to be referable. So, um, you know, what was your message? Like, what did you come out and say, like how you helped people? And like, so people knew, oh, like that's for autumn. Like I need to send them to autumn. What would you say your strategy was behind that? Even if, even if you weren't cognizant of it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always been intellectual property. So okay. copyright and trademark has always been like, I will, and I will go to the graves. <laughs> trademark lawyer, like that will never change. Um, and it has changed a little bit, like what kinds of businesses I work with. So for a while it was kind of creative entrepreneurs. Um, and now I would say it's more like online businesses. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that has evolved, but yeah, definitely just telling people copyright and trademark. And then when they hear somebody talking about that, yep. it's so they know exactly, you know, oh, Autumn does that. You can definitely. Yeah, it's really specific. Her. Very cool. Very helpful. So what would you say are some of the main things you did to really grow your business that it, it was able to support you full time and actually take over 
yeah, your past job that you were doing contract work stuff, uh, contract work for. Yeah, it's kind of evolved. So in the early days, I definitely had more time than anything. I had definitely mm. more time than money. So I would spend a lot of time in those Facebook groups, which a lot of them have shut down now. So this is not yep. an applicable strategy anymore necessarily. But in those days, they, it was like a gold mine. I, mean, yeah. I could just search the word copyright or search the word trademark in these groups. And then just, I was just helpful. Yeah, and that went a really, really, it was not salesy or gross. I would just answer questions, say, Hey, if you have further questions, like shoot me an email. Mm. Um, and I got, and I was way underpriced. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I shouldn't know any better. Um, but you know, I got a lot of experience really quickly. That yeah. Way. Nice. And then what, what, yeah, I like to also paint out, paint the different types of income streams people have. So like what currently are, do your offers look like as, as ways that people can work with you? Yeah. So we have a bunch of free resources. So I have my own podcast called the legal roadmap. Um, and then I do a Facebook live video every week, which we then put on my website. So at this point I've got like 70 nice. Facebook live videos, 60 podcast episodes. So that's kind of the free level, which is great. If you're just starting out, I do offer contract templates. So those mm. are downloadable. It's Super a digital helpful. product. Yes. It's like zero hands-on for me, total DIY. But if you're new in your business, I don't think it's very smart to spend a ton of money on legal. Cause like, no, yeah. out, you don't really know what you're doing. You're still trying to turn a profit. So a contract template in the early days is really, I think, money well spent. So those are super affordable and they're written by me, you know, kind of based on my experience with online businesses. So they might not be the best fit for a pizza joint or, <laughs> you know, a totally different kind of business. But if you're an online business, like it's kind of got that background built, built into it. Cool. Then um, our bread and butter is really just one-on-one services. So okay. I offer a one-hour consult. That's kind of our introductory offering, just kind of a get to know you. i do an analysis of your business and what legal protections you're lacking, kind of send you on your way with a plan. You can either then work with our firm to implement it or not. Love that. Yeah. And then um, we do a ton of contract drafting, contract review, um, helping people set up licensing programs, trademark and copyright registrations. It's really like, it's very wide open. We're very niched as far as the kind of business we work with, but we try to do pretty much everything legal for that kind of business. Nice. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That's helpful to have like, yeah, a lawyer in your back pocket um, as your business exactly. grows. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And especially as a, I think what I'm noticing too is, yeah, there's like live events. Like there's so many different yeah. types of uh, things that it's like, oh yeah, I probably need to be protected around this. <laughs> Yeah, it's like e-course terms and conditions. Yes. Or, um, client contracts. There's all kinds of things. I was working today with a guy who develops software and he's like licensing mm. it to a really giant company. And so we're like hashing out a contract over that. So it's fun. It's I think it's fun. It's super nerdy. But. <laughs> yeah, it is nerdy. But I, I, I yeah. love it. That's what we're all nerdy over here. At I know, I like it. <laughs> You're on the right podcast. Um, yes. Super fun. So I'd love for you to share with us some tips maybe around this. Like if you're a new entrepreneur or service provider or starting a new business, starting a new online business, um, what are kind of uh, maybe some of the first mistakes that people make and um, the advice that you can give legal advice wise about what they should be worried about and what they don't need to be worried about too? Like I think there's there's definitely a split there yes. as well of like what what's yeah. important later and what's important right now. A hundred percent. Well, that reminds me, I did not give my standard disclaimer, which is I'm Ooh. a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. Ooh, dude. So, yes. We'll put, that in the... <laughs> we'll put that in the title. No, just kidding. Um... Yes, no problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is all information, not legal mm-hmm. advice. But I would say the, the biggest thing I see is people either not using contracts at all, 
Yeah, or huge. because they're afraid, or they're just not sure what they should say, or or borrowing someone else's contract, but it doesn't oh, yes. apply to their yes. business. It doesn't I tried sense. that in the beginning. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this doesn't make sense. sense. Yes. Luckily, Girl. I never had anyone like bite me on it, but that's not the yeah. reason why you have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would say, you know, in the very beginning, when you're just starting to figure something out, like just put it in writing, put something in writing, mm. even if it's an email, or if you're, you know, if you're collaborating with someone or God forbid you. Yeah. That's another conversation like partnerships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just put it in writing, write down the things you think are important because everyone will have a different memory later on. Um, And then I'd say, as you start to figure out, you know, the things that you enjoy doing, whether they're services or products, uh, having a solid contract there for whatever your revenue stream is. So if Ah, you're a coach, you know, your client services contract, if you're doing a digital course or an online course or ebook or something like that, you're going to have what are called terms of use. So that's mm-hmm. just a contract between the purchaser and you. You say what you're going to do and it's all there in writing. There's no questions later. So that's the big one. It's just either being afraid to use a contract or using a contract that doesn't make any sense for your business. <laughs> so, you know, read through it, make sure it actually applies to you. Just, you know, you can make it clear. It doesn't have to be in fake legalese. Uh-huh. Um, it can just be in plain English. It's, that's fine. But that, that is probably the big one. The second thing I see is people who um, don't realize that there are certain rules and regulations when you have a website that you're doing mm, business on. This is important. Yeah. Yes. So you have to have a privacy policy by law. Yep. Um, it's the California law. Thank you. Yep. Um, but most of us who are in online business, we're doing business across the United States. So pretty much everyone needs one. And I have a template for that. It's not, it's not anything complicated. I mean, you'll read through it and it will make your eyes cross and no one ever reads them, but it's required <laughs> by law. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's really important. And then I would say if you're blogging or um, writing about other people's products, or if you're doing affiliate marketing where you're getting a commission or something like that, um, there are required disclosures that the yes. Federal Trade Commission requires that you just tell people like, hey, I'm an affiliate for this program. If you yeah. buy it, I might get a little you know, compensation for it. But it's still my opinion. I'm still being honest. Uh, but you have to disclose that. Or if you're getting free stuff and you're blogging about it, you have to disclose that stuff. So those are a couple kind of hot the issues. Big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely more, but those are the big ones. Um, and then the one I think nobody, not nobody, but a lot of people don't realize is using other people's images. Oh, this website. is big. Yep. Yep. This is, and I've um, recently helped like some very reputable businesses get through some very uncomfortable situations where they, you know, either a contractor or somebody on their team had grabbed an image from like a Google search without getting permission to use it. And then you get this cease and desist letter demanding like $50,000. Wow. Because if you get sued for copyright infringement, it's $150,000 per image. Whoa. That's not a joke. (laughs) That's not a joke. Plus attorney's fees. So Mm -hmm. it is big. It's, It's a lot of money and it's really scary to receive one of those. So just, you know, get your images the right way, get a license only going to cost you a couple bucks. It's not expensive or take your own, but yeah. just please do not download images from a Google image search. Nope. Yeah. You just shouldn't even search images uh, no. to, to post anything or make anything. Yeah, definitely. Bad idea. Bad idea. Those are really good tips. You know what comes up a lot? And it's funny, there's a thread in my Facebook group around this right now um, is trademarking. Like when, yes. <laughs> when are you supposed to do that? Or wh- is there too early? Is it real, tr- really true that I could put a TM behind anything in my s- website? Like, 
clear that up for me and then I can go oh back gosh. and uh, cite this podcast for that uh, Facebook awesome. group post. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, it depends. Uh, of uh, it's going to be different for every business, but there's a couple questions I always ask my clients when we're having this conversation, which is um, how important is it to you and your brand? And just so we're clear, a trademark is like a product name, a brand name, a business name, it could be a slogan or a logo basically anything that identifies the source of a product or service. So okay. if you think, you know, you see a bottle of Coca-Cola on the shelf, you know, it's going, what it's going to taste like because you see the label and you recognize mm-hmm. the bottle shape and you know the name, like those are all things that signify the source of a product or service. So if it's really important to your brand, like the name of your company, or if you have a tagline that you use all the time, people, as soon as they see it, they say, Oh, that's Lindsay. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's something like that, where it is really important to your brand, think about it. Then I also ask, would you be devastated if you saw someone copying it? Mm. So, or would you not really care? Like, if you, because here's what a trademark registration is. It is, um, gives you the better rights or a better ability to track people down and send them cease and desist letters and try and get them to stop using your trademark. Yeah. So it's not, you can't actually make them do anything. It's yeah. you're opening, you're opening a negotiation. So if you're not interested in that, if that doesn't sound like a good time to you, um, then you're not probably going to do anything with your trademark registration. So there's no reason to have it. <laughs> so there's kind of no, yeah, I have had people contact me and they're like, oh no, I'm very live and let live. Like I would never. And so I'm, I'm like, well, you can spend the money on a trademark registration, but it's kind of going to be a waste. Yeah. Then the next thing I think about is, is this something you're going to use for a while in your business? Mm-hmm. Because the trademark registration process is really slow. It takes almost a year or longer, depending wow. on how the process goes. Um, and you really don't get the protection until the end. So, you know, are you definitely going to use it for at least that amount of time mm. and hopefully a couple, couple more years? Um, because it's also expensive. So you want to make sure you're getting a return on that investment. So those are just a couple things to think about. Think it's going to be great. different for every business. Um, I would say for online businesses, I typically say for a new product or a new service, like maybe sell it once or like do one launch, go through one series of something, make sure that your audience actually likes it and that it's resonating. Um, Because what you don't want is you spend all this time and money on a trademark registration and then you change the name. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because we're all kind of testing and changing and figuring things out. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But I think there is a lot of fear that, you know, oh, if I don't register this thing, someone else is going to take it. And that's possible. Um, but also it is a big investment. So you want to make sure you're doing that wisely. Now, if, if I were talking to like a fortune 500 pharmaceutical company, it would be a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes <laughs> then you sense. want to do it early and you know, there's different ways you can do it before you're even using it in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But for an online business, that's usually the analysis that I take people through. I love it. That's so helpful. And like, I feel like there's a lot of like misunderstanding around it. The the specific thread in my, in the group was like this woman had launched her website and and it, and she had like TM'd like five or six things like within That's the heading funny. and it, it threw me off and then someone commented was like wait do you really own the trademark so like that's so the thing actually, too yes, what does that mean yeah yes so we have in the United States what are called common law trademark rights mm-hmm. so these are they're not registered anywhere they're just kind of automatic. And you get these rights by just using a trademark in your business. Yeah. And you can put the TM, it's actually a good idea to put the TM symbol, that little superscript TM. If there is something in your business that you think is a trademark, it can't just be like every single sentence. No, yeah. (laughs) Um, 
And, you know, it has to be actually used as a trademark. So it has to signify the source of products or services. I think that's what a lot of people forget. Uh, They're like, oh, well, I have this slogan that I use everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, but are you actually using it like to sell things? To sell things versus, uh, ah, just you use it. You think it's fun. Um, Like if somebody saw it, would they identify it with your brand or with your products? So that's the thing to think about. But you can only use the R in a circle if it's registered. So that is. That's registered. Okay. Yes. Okay. I I think I remember learning that. Okay. But then I think your point of you can throw it everywhere, but like it has to be for selling and to be a brand identifier. And that is a distinguishing factor. I think a lot of people are starting to trademark like frameworks. Is that Mm -hmm. like, and so they're like, this is my method of doing something. So that's not even real because it's not about the... That's Unless the method true. is the product name itself. If it's the name, yeah, yeah. You could trademark, you could register the trademark to a name of a method. If you have like worksheets or a book or somewhere that actually explains the method, then that would be protected by copyright because that's going to be a creative. That's different. Work. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you can't really protect the idea of a method. Like mm. I have seven steps, seven steps that guarantee you'll lose 100 pounds next year. Like you can't keep someone else from using the same seven steps. Ah, that, okay. is, that is an idea and that's not really protectable. Um, if it's a process, it could be patentable. Mm. Uh, I don't, another disclaimer, I don't do any patent work. I know enough to be dangerous. Uh, but those are usually going to be more technical things or yep. more, you know, computer or chemical or, you know. Not the seven ste- steps to not losing usually weight seven or whatever. Steps yeah. Or to create a course, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. Well, I took a bunch so of notes. That was of really helpful. <laughs> Lots of different pieces of intellectual property when we have our online businesses. Which I, is why yeah, it's so fun. for sure. Yeah, and then of course all this stuff. I don't. I don't want to talk about this, but like GDPR. Like, there's lots of cho- like things being decided right now. I guess around yes, um, how our information is being used online. So I think it is an important time to be paying attention and like yeah. also just being in, engaged. I think with. Um, I mean, there. Yeah, I mean, we're making a lot of important decisions right now that are going to impact what we have access to, what we get shown. Yeah. Um, and so is that, is do you changing. find that exciting or like, what are your thoughts on like, yeah, some of the stuff yes. we're doing right now? Cause I think that would be cool. The academics like talking about that kind of stuff too, of course. So, yes. Well, so it's a little different for a lawyer because people are coming to me for advice and I'm like, we don't really know yet. We don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, this is not lawyer, Autumn. This is a yeah. uh, hangout with no, the academic do, talking about this. Yes. I think, it, I do think it's very interesting. I yeah. will say. And, um, and I'm a super practical person. So mm. I enjoy like, okay, here's the law. Um, but here's <laughs> what's really, how that's really going to change things. Like yeah. how it's actually going to, you know, how companies are going to make decisions or how you, your access to Facebook may change. Yeah. 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 It may not be free anymore, or it may Mm -hmm. look totally different than what it looks today if they can't monetize your private information. Yep. So yeah, no, I I find it really fascinating. Yeah. I think it's cool. Do you have any predictions for anything? Oh, I think it's only going one way and that is Mm, Yeah, it's true. um, Right. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, and people say to me all the time, they're like, well, we're not in Europe because GDPR for those who don't know, the general data uh, privacy regulation is an EU law that makes it much harder for people to make money off of your private information or to use it in ways that you haven't given them permission to mm-hmm. use. This is changing things in the U.S. also because a lot of mm-hmm. U.S. companies have European customers. Uh, but a lot of people are saying, well, you know, that doesn't apply to us. It doesn't matter. But California has already passed something similar. Yep. And, you know, I think the wave is going to go that way. I don't think it's going to go to where we have. No, we're all of a internet. sudden they're like, oh, they were wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we will see though, like if, unless, 
um, major changes to happen in the U.S. where there will kind of be two different internets. And mm. I don't know how long that will last, but where, you know, things are pretty different because the rules are so different. We're, we're really so, good at creating hierarchies. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're good at uh, creating gates and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Yes. Cool. Yes. Well, this has been a really fun conversation, Autumn. Um, yes, I'd love to hear what you're working on currently and also where people can find you to maybe, uh, you know, get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thank you. Well, our law firm has really been growing this past year. I have two other attorneys who work with me. Oh, so, awesome. uh, yeah, it's been really fun. It's been a whole new set of challenges. So this is like, I'm not working on anything new. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about doing. optimizing. Yeah. Yes, it is all. Yeah. We, we've really done some hard work on our client experience. Mm. So this is the year just like kind of tweaking and making that really good. Uh, but yeah, our, the podcast is the best place to find me, the Legal Roadmap Podcast. If you there like, you I do some interviews and some just kind of solo teaching things. Um, and then our website is it, my initials. It's awbfirm.com. You can find our contract templates and tons of other resources Yay. there. Well, we will definitely be linking that for sure. Thank is you. there um, a social media account you hang out on the most? Yeah, probably Facebook. Is the Facebook. Most. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yay. Well, thanks so much for coming on. That was so fun. And um, I'm excited to uh, to publish this and share this knowledge because I think there is I love the academic wants to go to the source and do the research. And like they yes. probably would have been able to find this information. But now I can just like send them this podcast. I think that's so helpful. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I have a very smart uh, client that I was talking to and he said, you know, I figured I could probably figure out how to yep. file a trademark registration application, but it was going to take me about 40 hours of research. Right. So. And, and it's like, I know my but husband yeah, and I. Will not take me that yeah. No, exactly. Like that's what you pay for the time um, yes, and your what you've gone yeah. through and the expertise in order to make things happen. And then as yeah, I mean, because things can happen in the trademark process, right, where you have to like appeal or like, oh, yes. right. Yeah. And so then if you're just managing that and then I don't have to do more research, I mean, much yes. easier. It can be very overwhelming. Yes. Yeah, for sure. OK, Autumn. Well, have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day and uh, I will see you on the interrupts. Thanks for stopping by. All right. Thank you. Thank you.